Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Hey guys, it's me again. I just quickly wanted to remind you that all the show notes with the links and resources we mentioned in this episode are available on my blog. So head there now and leave a comment for me or our guest and we'll respond. And you can also find the entire archives of all the episodes from the Wellness Wonderland podcast and catch up on those at thewellnesswonderland.com slash podcast dash two. And if you guys are digging the show, it would be super duper awesome if you guys could leave me a review and a rating over on iTunes. It would be so helpful to bring more people to the show. Thank you guys so, so much for listening and leaving a review. And without further ado, here is this week's podcast. Welcome back, everyone. I am super excited for today's episode to chat with Jordan Bach. Jordan is an all-around super cool guy who I look up to a ton as a spiritual guru and leader. He's doing such amazing work in this world to inspire what I aspire to inspire here in the Wellness Wonderland, which is radical, deep authenticity. So Jordan is a life coach, a writer, a speaker, and a champion for gays, inspiring people all over the world. So He's been called one of the LGBT architects of the next decade by The Advocate, and he runs the site thebachbook.com, which is an online home for gay men who want to make the most of their lives, and really for everybody. I was just reading an article on there right now that I love that I want to talk to you about, um, Jordan, about the, the new moon that we're in right now, currently as we're talking. But anyways, we have so many topics to cover, so I'm so excited to just have some nice deep chat with you, Jordan. So thank you so much for stopping by Wonderland. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yay. Okay, cool. So I say we um, kind of dive right in with your story a little bit and introduce you to everyone here. Um, and hopefully you can tell us a little bit about you, how you came to this work, and what your mission is now um, doing the work you're doing in the world. And were you always on this path? Could you talk about that a little bit? Uh, well, I, 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 that's, a, that's a funny question. I, I, have I always been on this path? I, I was just talking, having a conversation with somebody, and uh, they were telling me, how they felt they fell off their spiritual path. And it's, it's my be- belief that we're always on the spiritual path. From the day we're born, we're on the path. I think our awareness of it shifts and changes, uh, but we're always on the path. And so I have been on this path just like any, any other human being since the day I was born. But from a very young age, I was aware of it. From a very young age, I was aware that my mind was my greatest enemy and I was aware that there was a universe that was good and supportive and helpful uh, to me and 
So I've been learning about that. I've just been trying to, you know, since I was a little kid, learn more about myself and about how the world works and how our minds work and how we can just feel better, how we can just feel better. Uh, and so that, that I suppose is, is my great grand mission is just to feel better. <laughs> so good. So good. That, that's really all there is to it. And, um, it reminds me a little bit, I was listening to a recent, um, or actually like an older lecture from Gabby, Gabrielle Bernstein, who I, who we both know and, um, love, we know and love, love, adore. And she was saying, you know, this quote, I'm not sure if it was hers or from somebody else, but it was like, when you're on a spiritual path, you, you're, you don't want to face the truth, but when you're on a spiritual path, the truth will be in your face. And that to me really kind of opened me up to know, you know, especially when this is new for people or, you know, even for myself, there, there's those times where it's just like, I know what I need to feel. I know what I need to do with my mind. I know about this work now. But the problem is actually doing it. And there's sometimes where you just want to turn it off and you want to just like not feel it, you know, and you want to go into that, you know, you just want to sleep or you just want to watch TV or you just want to, you know, do something else to kind of not go there, even though you know that's that's where that's where the magic happens, right? So what what do you have? Do you have any advice on that or like when well, I did, Yeah, I, I was just talking about this. Um, you know, it's funny how the how the – how the universe works before every meeting I have with one of my life coaching clients, I always get, I always have these conversations with a friend or these images pop into my mind that are very useful for the client. Mm -hmm. And I just had a life coaching client, uh, before we hopped on this call and we were talking about this very thing. (laughs) And so funny. And the the I think sticking point for a lot of people is that we moralize ourselves and each other. And we moralize things as simple as TV or alcohol or partying. And we say, well, a good spiritual person looks like this. And we say a person who's not on a spiritual path looks like this. And what that gets us caught up in doing is judging and attaching value to form. And that is the antithesis of the spiritual path. What we're supposed to be doing at any given moment is saying, am I facing my desires? Am I facing the truth of who I am and what's going on in my heart and in my mind? And to the degree that we're doing that is the degree to which we have freedom to do whatever it is, whatever the hell we want. You know, and the Buddhist monastic tradition that uh, has, a, that has us uh, avoiding things like alcohol and drugs and sex isn't because those things are inherently wrong. It's that we use them as babysitters. Mm. And we use them with the hope of, you know, escaping who we really are. And so... It's not that, you know, having a drink is bad or watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians is bad. It's why are we doing it? Yeah. Why are we doing it? Because I'm sure, you know, Mother Teresa could sit down and she would have a hoot watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians. 
or something. And then she would go on and continue to do her work. And she doesn't, she wouldn't moralize herself for it and say, this is bad. This is good. This is bad. And sometimes it's a very, yeah, it is. And isn't there, remember that line in, um, that what's that? Eat, pray, love. Where the wise older man says to um, her, sometimes losing balance is part of living a balanced life. Mm, so, good. so it's not that we you know, fall off our spiritual path. We're always on it and we're always learning. And the question is, in any given moment, are we being honest with ourselves and are we facing up to what it is we really want in life? So good. So good. I mean, you know, I'll just kind of use myself as an example here. So I tend, you know, when, you, when you're in this world and you just love it so much, right? You know, I, I tend to, and I've heard Mastin Kip talk about this before, of using spirituality as entertainment, right? And you're, we're so interested in it. So I just want to soak it all up. I want to learn and read and listen to audiobooks and lectures and this and that. And it's like, I almost feel this, I let that guilt come in, which is worse than anything when I want to just like watch a movie I rented from the library, you know, or like, you know, watch like an HBO show or something, you know, it's like, I feel like I should be learning or I should be, you know, creating or, you know, doing something else and releasing that guilt um, is, I think that's kind of exactly what you're talking about, not moralizing, you know, what I'm doing, but just enjoying it and realizing that I can do that for a little bit and I'm not doing it as a way to numb out, but I'm just enjoying Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the important thing. And I think we really need to have honest conversations with ourselves about the things that make us uncomfortable or that make us feel shame or guilt. And, you know, the work that I do in the gay community, um, it's really, there's a lot of that. Uh, We have been shamed by society since we were, since we were young kids for, you know, running around. I remember I would run around and act too girly for some people and I was told that it was wrong. And so from a very young age, everything I possibly, everything I did, I was ashamed about. And we have to ask ourselves, what's what is making us feel ashamed about watching the TV or or whatever it is? And whatever yeah. it is, what is what what thorn is that triggering within us? Mm. So good. I think it's really great to hear. You know, these leaders like you and. Um, you know, Gabby or Mother Teresa, and it, it, that was such a great example that you used with her because it's almost like it's awesome. <laughs> I have to say, that's the first time I've been I've been put in a group with Mother Teresa. And <laughs> that's well, very that was very frightening. <laughs> Why not? Why not? No, you're right <laughs> up there to me. So, I mean, I think it's great to like to have these real, that's why I love doing this, right? Like I get to have this real conversation with you and, you know, so many people are looking up to you and looking to you for an example. And that's a lot to hold, you know, on your shoulders. But at the same time, you know, I love seeing your really real Instagrams and really real Instagrams from Gabby and, you know, all of these teachers and these leaders because, you know, it's so nice to see them as humans and that it's like, 
it's it helps you release that shame and release the guilt and release feeling like you should be doing something else because you are human and these people are you know we all we are all one and that's like a really big theme of something that you teach so i think really getting into that grounded conversation of you know what what do you do to just you know, and have a great time and enjoy yourself. And I think that's Instagram and social media is really great for that in a way, right? Yeah, I mean, that's how I've I've, I've built my um, business. It's how I it's how I reach out to <clears throat> reach out to people is via social media. It's how I started with, you know, fifty followers, you know, four years ago, and. Um, it's really great and it's a great practice ground for anybody, uh, because you get to hone your message. And I think to the degree that you get clear on the message that you're delivering and you really understand where your passion lies, and then you sit in the seat of that and with clarity and conviction, deliver your message is the degree to which you make an impact. And as your impact increases, so will the arena you're given to serve. Mm. So That's the deeper your impact, the deeper your impact, the more the, the bigger audience you'll have. And the universe is great because the universe doesn't judge, and it keeps it keeps a perfect set of books, and it just reflects back to you what you're giving it. So in this case, it's like some people ask for an audience. And their intention is like, I want a bigger audience. I want more followers. I want more readers. I want more viewers. I want more of this. And it's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Focus on your message. Focus on your impact. And the audience will grow naturally. And you won't have – the universe will take care of it. It's so true. It's. I mean I've seen it in my humble little you know, like start that I've had. Like it's just like – one day I was like, oh, you know, I wish that I wasn't, you know, just talking to my aunt. And then I was like, but it's cool and I'm going to just step up my game for what, you know, my mom and the four other friends reading it. And then it just came. I don't know how it happened. I didn't do anything different other than, you know, I just stepped up what I was sharing. And it's just – I'm just smiling the whole time hearing you talk because it's just – I've seen it in my own life. It's true. It works. And it's just so amazing. Yeah, it's and and it's great to see people. Um, it's great to see myself on the days that I'm doing well, that where I'm allowing myself to step into a greater vision for my life and for my work and for my message. Uh, and we have to give ourselves permission to do that. We are constantly told uh, by you know the world, but mostly really by ourselves that we're not good enough, that our message isn't important enough, that we're too this or too much of this or too little of this. And at some point, you this little vision bubbles up in you. And whether it's a vision that has some qualities of leadership or boldness or funkiness or kookiness, whatever it is, it bubbles up in, in you. And you say, you know what? I'm going to allow this dream, this vision to lead my day, to lead my week and to, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. And when you do that and you step into your vision and you allow the vision to drive you, you things happen. And as I said, the universe is good and wants to support you. 
The universe wants to encourage and prosper us. And all we have to do is let go of the thoughts that are holding us back and allow our vision to lead the way. Yes. And and really let go of the hows, you know, and and just focus on the goal and, you know, every trust that the universe will line up for your benefit. And I think um, you know, I know something for me that I struggle with is when when things get really good, when I'm I feel like I I'm on a roll, right? Everything's lining up, things are going so well. And they say, you know, that's when you need to work harder. So what advice do you give people for stepping into their greatness when things are good? Oh, I don't know if I've learned that lesson myself. Um, I don't know. when things are, The way I think of it is that when things are good, that's how they should be. Right. Um, we have this idea that when things are good, that, well, you know, this will only last for so long. Yes. And it's probably just a fluke. Right. Uh, that, you know, the neutral balance stasis point of my life is lower than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, not natural to experience such success. Uh, and to a certain degree, that's, you know, a little, it, it, it's, it's true in, in, in worldly form. It's true in money and, and worldly success and that sort of thing. But in terms of the joy and the freedom and the ease of experiencing success in your work or in your relationship, that is natural. That's how it should be. And when it's not like that, we've gotten in the way. Mm-hmm. And when we start thinking of joy and ease as, na- as natural, um, we, we can more easily see where, where we're getting in the way. Uh, and so that has helped me. So when I'm experiencing success in in work or in romance, or I think, ah, yes, this means I've gotten out of my own way, and I'm going to bask in this because it's good and it's natural and it's the truth of who I am. Do you ever worry still about it changing or about it going away, or can you just really be present and soak it up? All I know is. I'm here right now and I know I'll always be taken care of Mm. period end of story I know that everything will be okay so good I know that everything will be okay and that's something that you know this comes from somebody who was a very lonely little boy um, who even though I had a lot of love around me uh I was just very lonely, but I knew on some level, and this is the spiritual awareness uh, that I was talking about before, I knew on some level at, at a very, very young age that I was, wasn't alone and that there was a force guiding me and protecting me. And that same force guides every single one of us even and especially when we're helpless and alone or lonely. And so just knowing that, it, it, it makes me not worry about the future. And, and we all know worrying is like praying for what you don't want. Yeah, prayer for um, chaos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So good. So with that then, when, 
What inspired you to make this your business? Or when did you know that you wanted to turn this calling into a business? Um, and maybe you can talk about some challenges and fears when, that came up when you started to do that. Well, I, I, I think it's um, the fact that you just called it a calling. That was a, a shift in perspective I had to you know, make on my own. I went to, I'm a very practical, I like to think of myself as a very practical person. Mm-hmm. I, I went to, I studied marketing, came to New York and studied marketing at a design school and graduated and went to, you know, I started applying and interviewing at these marketing jobs, these corporate jobs. And I realized, well, I'm the, first of all, I'm the laziest person on the planet. So I, I simply won't be able to work this hard for this low pay when I don't have passion for the job. Right. And I started to, I I had to leave New York, go home and live with my mother for a year. And I did. And I'm from Boston. Oh, nice. Yeah. So not too far away from New York, but I went home for a year and I, asked myself over that year and it was a year-long process of asking myself what do you want to do with your life because I knew at that point if I went to New York and I could have gone to New York and gotten a job that I hated and I saw a lot of people around me doing that and uh, you know I saw them gaining weight and getting bags under their eyes at the age of you know 22 and I was like, I, I I don't want, I know that that's not my calling in life. Right. And so my question to myself became, what is it that makes you come alive? What is it that you're sent here to do? Um, where is your passion? And over that year, it came to me very clearly. It's It was right in front of me the whole time. I've always been a profoundly spiritual person with interests in all things psychological and mystical and the the calling for all of us is service Mm -hmm. so the question is what are you good at we have to be honest with ourselves Uh, we need to be humble enough to accept the gifts that we've been given and ask ourselves what are you good at not what are you the best at but what are you really good at what skills do you bring to the table what do you have to offer other people and then you go offer them. And when I started, you know, life coaching, I had it was it was nerve-wracking. I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it, but I just started. I just started because I knew that I had something to offer and I offered it. And before I knew it, I was like for the first time accepting money for something that I enjoy doing. It was crazy. It was crazy, and it was that feeling that I was just talking about of of natural feeling, an easy feeling. We have this like worldly idea that to get money, we have to beg, borrow, or steal, or work our asses off to the point of exhaustion and betraying ourselves. No, we need to find what makes us come alive and offer that to people, and and. And, and and I guess looking back, that's that's what I did. And and voila. 
It's amazing. It's amazing. And, and, you know, you're a saint helping so many people. And I guess, you know, I want to get into some of the concepts that you teach here. And so I would love to discuss why authenticity is so important to happiness in general and especially in the gay community. Well, I have to say, I mean, I'm not authentic all the time. In fact, a lot of the time I'm not. And I look, sometimes I look at things I did just even a month ago. I'll look at a, a, and I'm constantly, as you know, on social media, on Twitter and Tumblr and Facebook and Instagram and um, everywhere. And I'll just look at some post and I'll think, what, what were you thinking in that moment? You were trying to, you were trying to be something that you're not. And what I've learned is that authenticity is a process. And there are going to be some moments where you're authentic and there are going to be some moments where you're inauthentic. And what releases us from this feeling of guilting ourselves and moralizing ourselves is realizing that authenticity isn't a destination. We don't one day arrive at this place called Authenticityville, <laughs> which I think is like a maybe a misunderstanding, especially for spiritual seekers. It's a process. We step into it. We step out of it. Hopefully, we can step into it and stay there for a while and get comfortable there. And then sometimes we'll step out of it. And to the degree that we're able to do that and not judge ourselves is the degree to which we're, we'll find ease in stepping back in. And so I'm inauthentic all the time. Sometimes, Do you ever have that feeling? I know we all do, where you are having a conversation with somebody and it's just not easy and then you walk away and you think oh my god that's not what I wanted to say that's not who I wanted to be for that person that's not who I am yeah for sure (laughs) and that's fine and we learn and and I I have those moments still and I'll continue to sometimes maybe they'll get few and far between as I progress and feel more comfortable in my authenticity but part of the spiritual task for us those of us who are still here doing that is to stop stop judging ourselves for it and realize that it's just in it's just a process like anything else i love that i love that it really kind of takes us off the hook and i know for me you know in social media i'll like you know be instagramming something and i i kind of just check myself and i'm like why am i instagramming am i like showing off to a certain person am i like trying to prove something to someone like what or am I just inspiring and like this is just me you know and um sometimes I you know usually if I feel like that you know I I delete it but sometimes I don't have the awareness in the moment so I love you know what you said there about like where like take yourself off the hook you may not be authentic all the time you're not going to be authentic all the time and that is authentic right there you know there you go that's the (laughs) that's the point so good so good so um, the next thing I want to ask you about, and, you know, when, when coaching people, you know, you probably do some really heavy work, you know, working with a lot of your clients and um, people going through, you know, really hard things. And, and you say, you know, one of the things um, when you talk, I've heard you speak about in interviews about coming out and how you say to consult your heart when you do so and make sure it's safe and make sure that you know, you're in a safe environment to do so. So could you talk about that concept a little bit for people and how um, you coach people through that time? 
through the coming out process. Yeah. I, I the coming out process is is beautiful in a sense and it's a great responsibility. Every gay person automatically every per, every soul who's, you know, born gay in this life automatically has that uh responsibility. And that makes us that makes, you know, us strong souls. It make, it means that we decided to come into a situation where we had to come forth with our truth in often situations that are oftentimes hostile to truth. And we had to, even when we're not ready, we had to put ourselves on the line and be there for ourselves sometimes when nobody else is. And so I, I have to say, anyone who's gay who's listening to this on some level knows that they are strong and that what lies in front of them is as that famous quote says it's a small matter uh, compared to what lies within them and so I think coming out is beautiful and it's a sacred process that we have to go through and some of us never get there a lot of us never get there because it's not safe for us to come out. But we know, no matter who we are or what part of the world we're living in, we know that we'll never be able to live the lives that we're destined to live if we're lying about who we are. Mm -hmm. And I, I say that there, it's hard to talk about coming out because there are so many variables. People live so many different lives with so many different situations and Oftentimes, gay people use those as excuses uh, for, for why they can't come out. But one thing is true across the board, and that's that you can't live the life you were born to live if you're lying about who you are. And so I always begin with that. And that's what I do as a coach. I allow that to settle in with you know, my clients and I ask them, well, how does that make you feel? Where, where does your heart want you to go with this? And at all times, to be aware of their safety and to realize that sometimes, uh, you know, your truth can create a hostile environment and to be aware of, you know, safety risks, but to always know deep down that your truth will set all things right. It will set all things right. So good. So good. And so great that, you know, you're able to be out there and to do this work. So I guess with that, you know, one of my favorite things that you say around this topic is that, you know, everybody who is gay is gay for a purpose. And I would love to know where you would like to see politically and socially gay rights in, say, 10 years. Well, I kind of think that the when people talk about gay rights, I'm really interested in gay liberation. Mm. I think we're just beginning to see the external manifestations of the movement that were that you know that could be called gay or queer liberation. And that's the true freedom that we feel individually and collectively to be who we are. And 
you know, I, I, I have deep, I bow deeply to the, to the gay people, to the, you know, all, <laughs> all the queer people of our pained past who have fought and bled and died and been at the courthouses and, and done all of that and marched and, 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 and been there at Stonewall, uh, and the and the fight continues, but the fight is becoming less of an outward fight and more of an inward fight, uh, and that's no more clear than here in New York City, where we have a city full of gays who are drawn here by the bright lights and the big city and the promise of uh, some semblance of liberation and freedom in their lives, and they find that uh, even in a community where they're full, people are fully accepting of uh, each other's sexuality. Uh, that they still are bound by the chains of their own shame and unforgiveness and um, judgment, self-judgment. And so that's the work that I'm interested in. I'm interested in um, healing myself so that I can be part of uh, a growing uh, body of people who are healed and whole and can help reflect that in other people. And that's where I see it's not just with me. It's with the thousands of people who I am connected with every day and who I share these ideas with. Uh, we, I, I, that's what I see. That's what I see. And that's the vision that I hold um, is more wholeness and more healing and, and, that's really my, my, my constant prayer. I love that. I love that. So good. So you study A Course in Miracles, and I would love to know how you found the text and, and just maybe a few ways how it shaped your life. I found the text because I picked up a book one morning, and I feel like I, don't the most magical things happen in the early morning yes. hours? So true. You know? True. I feel like it's just... Magic There's, time. It is magic time. Almost just before like the sun rises. Mm-hmm. Uh, one morning I, I woke up. I must have woken up at like 3 a.m. And I tossed in bed for two hours. And I didn't. I, I, and, and this was in 2010. Or yeah, about 2010. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I should read something. And so I went over to my bookcase. And I have tons of these books that I've never read. And I don't know how they got there. And I picked out this one book called Everyday Grace by Marianne Williamson. Mm-hmm. And I never heard of Marianne Williamson. I didn't know anything about Marianne Williamson. I didn't care about Marianne Williamson. And I started to read in these early morning hours of that day on, on a cold day in 2010. And the, what came off the pages for me was this magic prose and it was magic prose, but it was talking about something that was profoundly real and true. And so I started to read a lot of Marianne Williamson. Of course, I read her best-selling book, A Return to Love, which is one of the most incredible books of all time, I think. And I started to read that. And she's always talking about this thing called A Course in Miracles, A Course in Miracles. I'm thinking... Oh, A Course in Miracles. That sounds like something that, that, you know, one of those women who deal with crystals and angels, um, you know, miracle thing. So I, I, I was very turned off by the name A Course in Miracles. And then 
and then I just kept hearing it and seeing it and seeing it and seeing it and seeing it. And I thought, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Let me take a look. And so I just went online and they have they have the whole thing online. You can look at it on the internet. So I started to read it and I thought, holy shit. This isn't this isn't, you know They're not messing around. Yeah, this isn't like fuddy duddy, fluffy stuff. It's actually kind of, you know, challenging to get through. Yeah. It's like very dense and but what it does what I've found that it is is a mind training. A mind training to train our minds um, to remember what's real in life, which is love, and to unlearn uh, what's unreal, which is fear. And it does that in a very systematic, incredibly profound way. And so it, for me, is the, uh, is, the, is, the, is the philosophy that resonates with me more than any other. So good. It, it's funny your story to finding it um, is so similar to mine, except um, with Gabby instead of Marianne. You know, I her, I would read her books, and she would all always allude to in Spirit Junkie and Ad mm-hmm. Morning, A Course in Miracles. This thing, I was like, what the heck is that? And same exact thing, you know, take to the mm-hmm. internet and and find it. So I love that. Um, so to get really present with people, like I said at the beginning, we're recording this right after. The new new moon. It was right. It was at three a.m. last night, right? Yay! Yes. Yeah. So you wrote this rad article on your site um, that within the first forty-eight hours of the new moon, intention setting is increasingly powerful. And I would love it if you could expand on that a little bit and maybe share with us some of the intentions that you're going to be manifesting this new moon. I would love to do that. The new moon. <laughs> I am somebody who is very skeptical of all things. And that, that doesn't mean I'm cynical, but I, I definitely like to investigate something before I accept it. And so I was I had heard for quite a while about new moons and how new moons meant new beginnings. And uh, if you set intention or plant seeds for new projects or new things around the new moon, that it was a powerful time to, 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 to do that and that it would, you know, reap, um, you know, in, uh, it would reap results. And fact is, my experience has shown that to be true. So it's simply that. And I think it works. And I don't know what's going on in the sky with the moon. And the, I, don't, I don't get it. But it works. And so uh, I posted on my website an astrologer, Jan Spiller, who wrote a book called, um, what is it, New Moon Rituals. It's on my site. And uh, I excerpted what she says about New Moon and how to make a wish list and how to set intention. And what I love to do is create vision boards. I find that they're really helpful in generating the feelings of the things you want in your life. And when you generate the feelings of what you want in your life, your life reflects those feelings back to you in experiences and in things and people. And so vision boarding is amazing. So this morning I got up at 6 a.m. because uh, that astrologer Jan Spiller says that within eight hours of the new moon, uh, it's most powerful. But you can use you know that she says the 48 hours following the new moon uh to you know increase the power of your wishes or intentions 
And so I got up really early this morning because it was at 3 a.m., the new moon. And so, and she says, not a minute before. You can't do it at 2.50 if the new moon's at 3. You have to wait until 3 or after, you know, whenever the new moon is. So I got up and I created my vision board. And I put on my vision board a lot about money and work. And what I put on the board was the feelings I wanted to feel. So I put on one of my words is always ease. Mm. And, you know, I was just speaking with you about ease and how things should feel natural. Things should flow naturally to you. And you'll know when something's right when it's when it comes easily. When it when you don't have to fight or betray yourself or other people for it. And so ease was on my board and um I just I just signed up for a new fitness program and so I had uh an inspiring act you know, athletic picture and I just Everything I put on the board, I put it there, and then if it doesn't feel right to me, if it doesn't make me come alive with like a yeah feeling like, yeah, I want that, then I take it off. It's really important to to get down into the nitty-gritty of what you really want to feel and how it feels to you. And once you do that and you put it on the board, forget about it. And that's how you set an intention. That's how you set an intention. I feel like we know exactly what it is we don't want in life and we know exactly what it feels like to feel sad and tired and exhausted and fat and we allow ourselves to indulge in what it feels like to get in those moments of feeling gross and lethargic and we know exactly what it feels like and so that's reflected back to us. But we, if we took as much focus and energy and put it into thinking about the things that we do want and how it would feel to be successful, and then to get into those feelings. Well, it would feel, I would feel powerful. Okay, how does that feel? Step into that feeling. And when you then create a vision board and pick out images and sounds and words and that make you feel that, again, the universe keeps a perfect set of books. It will reflect that back to you in life. Marianne says it best, what you appreciate, appreciates. So, in other so words, good. you know, what you focus on expands. And so the new moon is a great time to do it. I love that. So fun. I still got a little bit. I have to finish my vision board. So after this, I still have a little bit more time. But, you know, yes, I mean, you new moon for sure. But, you know, people <laughs> listening to this, you know, don't think that, you know, making a vision board isn't powerful or setting intentions isn't powerful, you know, any time of the At year. At any but, time. Yeah, but there'll always be another new moon. It's just a kind of cool added ad bo- added bonus people Exactly. Do. Cool, cool. So now I want to ask you, you know, some of the questions I ask everybody who comes on the podcast and really get personal with you about um, your personal practices. So this is like my favorite question to ask people ever. So okay. can you walk I'm excited. Through, yay. <laughs> can you walk us through your morning routine? So maybe like the first through couple things you do um, when you wake up and how that's important for how the rest of your day goes. Well, I really enjoy waking up early. It's something that's very important for me. I find that the earlier I work, I wake up, um, the better I feel because as I said, magic I feel like those time. are, yeah. it's magic time. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's magic time. And 
And just to the first, I learned, I started studying Kabbalah when I was 15. And my teacher told me at that age, how you get out of bed in the morning, how you interact with yourself in those first moments of waking up Mm -hmm. determines the rest of your day. Mm -hmm. So if you wake up and immediately get out of bed without thinking about it, and you just and start your day powerfully that will change the rest of your day. So I try, I don't always I don't always succeed, but I try to get up in a way as soon as I open my eyes, I try and get up in a way that's bold and confident and stable and grounded. And so that's what I try and do. And lately I've been drinking something called bulletproof coffee. Have you heard of it? Mm-hmm. It's just coffee with butter and coconut oil. Yeah. And that seems to work for my body and my brain and it gives me sustained clarity and focus and energy. And so I've been doing that now for several months and it seems to work well for me and my boyfriend and we love it. And then from that point on, I just let the day take me where it wants to take me. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, so my my next question on the other side of that coin is, could you walk us through your evening routine and kind of the things you do to relax and wind down um, after a long day? What I know for sure is that in the, I would say about hour, hour and a half before you fall asleep, you whatever you do in the hour and a half before you fall asleep, it will come into your dream world. Mm. And you, it will stay with you. And so I like to read things and do things that are calming, relaxing, um, that are that are that bring me back to truth uh, before I go to bed. So I like, you know, cuddling or reading um reading a book that doesn't sometimes I have books that make me think and make me analyze like my nutrition and healing books, but I put those aside and I read books that calm me and that may remind me of who I really am and, and, or I'll, or I'll journal and which helps me empty things out of my mind. For some people journaling revs them up for me. It makes me feel like I'm surrendering my thoughts to God and I just try and calm down. And again, sometimes I do that. And sometimes I roll into bed at 2 a.m. after being out at night. But most of the time, I I like to wind down and, and relax so that I can have a dream life that is accurate and um, and calmer. I love that. I love yeah. that. I think that'll be really helpful for people to sleep, you know, to really just keep that in mind, those those powerful hours before bed. Yes. So you do so much rad stuff. You're you're a busy guy. So how do you stay organized to show up fully present for each area of your life, you know, personal life and professional life? And do you have any practical tips on staying present and just getting so much done? Get help. Get help. There's so much help available to us, whether it's um, online or um, physical, uh, you know, person-to-person help. And I found I I used to be and I still am to a certain degree as a person who doesn't like asking for help 
I like doing things myself. And I realize that there's such joy and freedom and release in just asking somebody for help and not expecting anyone to do anything for you, but just saying, hey, I have this, you know, issue. I have a tough time um, organizing my schedule. Do you have any ideas? Even, you know, it's so helpful going on your Facebook or social media and asking people for their advice. People love to help and people, people's best advice comes forward when you, when you ask someone for advice. And so I actually hired somebody, um, a coach, to help me. See, even coaches need coaches. Yeah. <laughs> I helped somebody help me. Uh, I got a, a business coach. And he is so helpful in helping me organize my work and, and keep, keep uh, me accountable. And that's what's important is accountability. And number one is vision, is having a vision. And number two is, you know, planning. Okay, how am I going to implement this vision? And then number three is keeping yourself accountable and having friends or family or hired support um, help you with that accountability and that vision keeping process. It's so important. Um, we can't do this alone. And that's something that I learned very, that's something you learn very quickly. Those of us who are very confident and very, we like to think we're very independent. Uh, on some level, we think, well, I can do this alone. And no, we need each other. We need to have each other's backs. And I have your back, Katie, for you're doing what you're doing. And I certainly hope you have mine and we'll, we'll have it. We'll have each other's, and that, and that's what we're being called to do here. Yeah. At the end of the day, is yeah. go around and say, "Oh, like it feels good to help people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels good to like give people good advice and to know that you're helping people." And so, if we can do that for each other, uh, we'll find that it comes back to us. Yeah, and I think humans um, we're hardwired to do that. Like we're meant, we're social creatures meant to work together and collaborate and help mm-hmm. each other. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So let's wrap with some quick fire questions. You ready for them? Okay. This is what I'm excited about. <laughs> okay. Favorite color? Purple. Favorite day of the week? Thursday. Favorite hour of the day? Early morning. Where do you hear your intuition the loudest? In romance. Favorite way to exercise? Ooh. Oh my gosh. Oh. I don't know. I like all. I don't know. You can pick oh, a couple. Thought, you can I, pick a couple. I'm failing. I thought I would be <laughs> able to do. No, um, I love anything with amazing dance music, like spinning or um, jogging to amazing, exciting dance music that makes you happy. Nice. Favorite place you've ever traveled to? Ooh, um, the mountains. I like snow and mountains. Favorite thing about being an entrepreneur? Um, that you can do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> Favorite meal you've eaten recently? Oh, um, I just tried this new Ayurvedic dish called Kitchari. Oh, yeah. It's so good. And it's very calming and good and you don't. Your, it just soothes your digestive system, yeah. and it's actually very delicious. Yeah, it feels like your um, belly got a massage. That's what I always say. Yeah, <laughs> and it just like totally makes you like 
calm your digestive system calm and and warm it balances you yeah it's great so good um favorite on the go snack Ooh, um on the go snack that's a really good question you know i have to say i love my my nuts and berries yeah like i love mulberries so and good. golden raisins and and so sprouted almonds. I love and goji berries. I'm obsessed with that video, Goji Berry Monster, on your Instagram. <laughs> She's so freaking adorable. I can't yeah, get enough of her. Yes, because my niece, my niece who lives two blocks away from me, and I see her almost every day. She loves berries. Any kind of berry, a raisin, she'll eat. And she is so freaking cute. I can't get enough of her. <laughs> I want my child to look just like her. <laughs> She's great. Favorite veggie. Um, I love artichoke. Ooh. Favorite fruit? Ooh, I love the sour tart taste of nectarines. Mm. What's one food you could eat every day? Um, I don't think I could eat anything. (laughs) I don't think I could do that. Um, I could eat, my goodness, I guess I could eat. Um, I take these questions so seriously that I don't want to be, no, um, I could probably eat, I could eat, um, I could probably eat kachiri every day. Yeah, it's really good. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's good. What's a superhero power you wish you could have for a day? I wish, I guess, I wish I could, um, be invisible. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Favorite mm-hmm. grooming ritual? Ooh, well, I, I really have enjoyed taking care of my skin because it makes me the ritual, the ritualistic process, morning and night, makes me feel calm. And uh, <laughs> so I really like this new Ayurvedic skincare line called Evan Healy. And it's this beautiful oils and essences and they have this amazing face oil with frankincense and it smells so amazingly like deliciously like smoky and it's very light and you just put it on your face and it sinks in and it gives you a glow and it's amazing and that's that's that (laughs) Mm, i want that um yes. I thought you were gonna say your cold showers, which I do too and I love. Oh, oh, They're like brutal, okay, so, but great. Yes, yes, yes. And that's not it's so much my grooming when I think of grooming, I think of making myself look pretty. But cold showers are a crucial part of my everyday. I, every day I take a cold shower. It makes me come alive, not just in the way that you might expect that a cold yeah. shower would make you come alive. It really revs up an internal fire. of inspiration and creativity and and excitement and aliveness that you have to try to experience. Yeah, yeah. I was like, so I'm like a 
I'm just a wimp for the cold and I live in Michigan and it's freezing and but I do it and I did it and it's like the craziest thing for me is that it actually makes you warmer when you get Mm -hmm. out of the shower because your blood rushes to all of your organs to warm them up so like it's super transformational yeah and what what I what I visualize happening is that the cold when you get into a cold shower your body's internal uh fire has to increase And that internal fire not only regulates, you know, your temperature, but it also regulates your digestive power and your mental power. So when you step in a cold shower, all of a sudden your mental heat comes alive. And you'll notice that when you take a hot shower, you'll get out and you'll feel drained. Mm -hmm. And that's because your internal fire has to cool down. And so when you take a cold shower, you come alive. Super cool. I'm glad we mentioned that. Yeah. Um, favorite movie? I love a good romantic movie. Me so too. one of my favorite movies of all time, and it will put me in a puddle of tears, which I love being. I love crying all day. I could do it every day. Uh, so sometimes I watch movies that do that, and The Notebook does it for me. Oh, such a good one. Yeah. Um, favorite book? I would say the book that's had the biggest transformative effect on my life is A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. All right, Jordan. So my last question that I ask everyone, um, as you know, the name of my blog and the name of this podcast is The Wellness Wonderland. And I know wellness and health is something that is important in your life. And so I would love to know when I offer that term to you to live in a wellness wonderland, what does that mean to you? Wellness wonderland? Yes. I think it means that... You know, just what I was talking about earlier about what's natural and what's e what what is um, what should be natural and easy for all of us, which is wellness. Wellness is a state of relaxation into who we really are, and that feels like a wonderland. Mm, so good. That's exactly what I hope to create with it. So, thank you so much for your inspiration, your wisdom, and your advice today. And thank you so much to everyone listening as well. And I would love, Jordan, if you could just leave everybody with where they can find you. We'll have all the links below. But anything else that you want to leave people with? Uh, just come find me. And if you like uh, if you like my vibe, follow me and let's have out. together. Yeah, there Yay. you go. Well, yeah. I think that you're awesome. And I'm so glad to be connected with you. And I think, I think this is awesome. I think the same about you. Yay. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. Wonderland on Facebook. So we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.